But tonight I wanted to look at Psalms uh, 22, uh, something that I've been considering and just praying through a lot here recently is, well, let me change the setting on my iPad or it's not going to go very well. Hang on real quick. Let's see. All right, that should be better. That was really awkward right there. <laughs> Something I've been thinking a lot about the last couple of weeks is uh, the cross of Jesus Christ and considering uh, the cross of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to spend some time in Psalms uh, 22 uh, this evening really looking at what Christ has done for us on the cross. Psalms 22 is a prophetic psalm. Some thousand years before Christ was crucified, we have this specific detail of the crucifixion of Christ. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us on the cross. And we thank you that it's just as much for us today. We need you, Jesus. We need your death and your resurrection. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. We pray for those that tonight, maybe they're hearing of your cross for the first time or for those that have known the cross for many, many years, Jesus, we ask for a fresh revelation of you, the revelation of you crucified. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So my life really changed with a revelation of Christ's crucifixion for me. And I think there's a lot of difference between information and revelation. And a lot of times we have information in our minds about the cross of Jesus Christ, but it's not necessarily the revelation of the sacrifice of Christ. And that was me. I had heard a lot of the cross of Jesus Christ, that Jesus had died for my sins, that I was a sinner, that I needed a Savior, but it was primarily just information. And I got into my freshman year of high school put everything into basketball, wanting to make the, the varsity uh, team. My coach that summer, he had painted a basketball yellow. He spray painted it and he said, I want you to take this with you everywhere that you go and just wear off all the paint. You know, if you're at the grocery store with your mom, dribble the basketball. I'm sure I drove everybody nuts uh, that summer. And I made the varsity team. I got my favorite number, number 22, because of Clyde Drexler with the Portland Trailblazers. And I was completely empty. I had accomplished this goal, but it didn't satisfy. And found myself crying out to God, asking that God would reveal himself uh, to me. I'd seen my parents have a real relationship with God, and, and I knew that I didn't, didn't have one. God was gracious about four days after praying that in a simple way. And God spoke Romans 5.8 into my heart when I was walking home from the basketball gym. And I didn't know it was Romans 5.8. It was really the first time that I'd ever heard God's voice in my life. And it wasn't audible. It wasn't like God spoke to me with an audible voice. But just in my heart, I knew that God was speaking to me. It was, Eric, well, you didn't want anything to do with me. I wanted everything to do with you. And that, that's Romans, Romans 5.8. And it was that revelation of God's love for me that turned my heart. It caused me to see the love of God. And I woke up the next morning, and the strangest thing happened to me is I wanted to read my Bible. The Holy Spirit had put a desire in me to 
being God's word. And prior to that point, growing up in a Christian home, going to Christian school, it was always duty to read God's word, but it was never something that, that I desired to do. So I started reading the gospel of Matthew, and I just couldn't get enough. And before you knew it, I was you know, through, through the New Testament, and the love of God had won my heart and my mind. But it's just as important today, many, many years later, to focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of times for us as believers, we think about the cross in terms of when we came to know Christ as our Savior, but then we kind of check out with the cross. And I want to suggest to you tonight, and for you to pray through uh, tonight, is the cross of Jesus Christ solves all of our problems. All of the problems that, that we go through in life and all of the pain that we go through in life, if we will come to the cross, if we'll sit at the cross and take the time to meditate upon Jesus and his sacrifice specifically, God is going to meet us in that place. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, it says this, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Present tense. We're going to get weary, we're going to get discouraged if we don't put our minds upon the cross and we consider the suffering of Christ. We consider the hostility that came upon Christ. Here he is, he knew no sin and, and he's taking on the sin of the world, being punished for the sin of the world. Have you ever had this experience where you think you've got it bad and you start feeling sorry for yourself and then you meet somebody that's got it a lot worse than you and you're like, I don't have it bad. Why, why was, was I feeling this, this way? I was really inspired by a man at church on Sunday that comes to our church and he lost his eyesight a few years ago uh, serving in our military, serving for our country, had an injury resulted in the loss of, of his eyes. And since then, He's chosen to not get up, give up and has really gotten involved in fitness and sports and competes at a really high level and even snowboards and all of this stuff. And after talking to him, I was like, I have nothing to complain about, right? And he could easily just, just give up on life, but instead he sees purpose for his, his days, even with the difficulties of being blind. So tonight I invite you through Psalms 22 to focus on the sufferings of Christ, and then we're going to apply it to our lives in several ways. So this is Psalms 22, verse 1. This is a psalm of David, and you'll see very quickly how this speaks of the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Jesus hung from the cross, and he quoted Psalms 22. He cried out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, as Jesus became sin for us, part of the punishment of the cross is this separation from the Father. And this is what's most dear to Jesus, is his fellowship with the Father. The complete oneness that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit enjoy. And it's the only moment in eternity from all eternity past, all eternity future, that this unity is going to be broken. 
And in that moment, the father turns his face away from the son and pours out judgment upon the son. One of the consequences of sin is being separated from God. Hell represents that. And and Jesus was separated from the father in that moment as he was the sacrifice for our sins. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what I like about Psalms 22 as we consider the cross is it really gives us insight into the depths of Christ's suffering, of what Christ went through in his humanity, God in human flesh. And in his humanity, he suffered, and we see the brokenness of Christ as he's crying out, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you did not hear, and in the night seasons, and I am not silent. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, they trusted and you delivered them, They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. And as Jesus went to the cross, he humbled himself to the point of being a worm. God in human flesh. That's an incredible step down for God to come into human flesh. We can't even begin to grasp that. And that might be something like you get to heaven and God's like, hey, I really love the grasshoppers. So I need you to take on the form of a, of a grasshopper. Like what? You know, we, we shoot grasshoppers with BB guns and light them on fire and stuff like that. Like, I, I mean, maybe, hypothetically. For sure I did that as a kid, right? (laughs) Maybe even a little bit more recently. But what? I got to be a grasshopper? But how much more so for, for God to come in human flesh? But that wasn't the end of his suffering. As he's in human flesh to be rejected, be rejected by his own family, be rejected by his own town, people looking at him as of illegitimate birth, rejected by the nation of Israel, rejected by the religious leaders, despised, suffering a criminal's death upon the cross, humiliated to the point where he's hanging on the the cross naked. He he became a worm. He was despised. He he was rejected. Verse 7, all those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the, the lip. They shake their heads saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. We hear that of the cross as they were around Jesus of, if you're God, why don't you save yourself? But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on the mother's breast. I will cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is no help. At the very least, Jesus must have had Psalms 22 on his mind as he was hanging from the cross. As he quoted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have enriched me. Bashan is a part of northern Israel where there was cattle. They gape at me with their mouths like raging and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, and it is melted within me. Amazing prophecy of the, cro- of the cross of Christ, where he's 
pouring himself out as that living sacrifice like water. And his bones are out of joint. And this is what would happen at the cross. As you're hanging on the cross, your, your bones, especially your shoulders, being ripped out. And his heart is, is melted like wax. When after Christ's death, the Roman soldier wanted to make sure he was dead and pierced his side. And what flowed out? Blood and water. And medically, they think that that happens when your heart ruptures. It's very possible that Christ's heart ruptured and his heart was melted like wax. For sure, internally and spiritually, his heart melted. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared, and my tongue clings to, clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. Jesus was thirsty upon the cross. He even cried out, I thirst. For the dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked have enclosed me. That, that wicked congregation that was around the cross of Jesus Christ. They pierced my hands and my feet. Long before crucifixion was ever invented and designed. Prophesying of Jesus that pierced my hands and they pierced my, my feet. Jesus in his love for you and his love for me was willing to have the nails placed into his hands, placed into his feet. Verse 17, I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. None of Christ's bones were broken at his crucifixion. They were going to come and break his legs to speed up the process of crucifixion, but Christ had already died. And, and this is pointing to that, that his bones were, were not broken. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Exactly what took place at the cross of Jesus Christ. They wanted to keep his garment in one piece, thinking it was more valuable that way. So they gambled for who could get his garment. Absolute selfishness at the foot of the cross. Playing games at, at the foot of the cross. That was my life until God got a hold of, of me in high school. As I was around the cross and I was playing games. It was, it, was, it was a game to me. It was selfish game to me. I, I hadn't stopped to consider what was taking place on the, the cross of, of Jesus Christ. That, that may be you tonight. You're in this place of saying, I've really been around the cross, but it's been a game to me, and the gravity of what Jesus has done hasn't touched my heart. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precise life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horn of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. And that's the declaration of Christ, to, to proclaim the name of the Father. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you who descend of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the afflicted, affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Isn't that the message of the gospel? That the poor in spirit are satisfied? That we're bankrupt? We're sinners. We need a Savior. We're satisfied in the grace of God. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. 
And all of the families of the nations shall worship before you, a result of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the earth. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship, and all those who go down to dust shall bow down before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It shall be recounted of the Lord to the next generation." the next generation knowing the goodness of God. And they will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. Consider the cross. So bear with me. We've got eight ways tonight for us to consider the cross, and we're just scratching the surface. I hope that you journey in meditating upon the cross and the resurrection of Christ and you find so much satisfaction in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, write this down. As we consider the cross, it protects us from weariness and discouragement. We touched on this just a few minutes ago. It protects us from weariness and uh, discouragement. I want to read to you again Hebrews 12:3. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The two verses before this in Hebrews 12 encourage us to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking to something. We're looking to someone this evening. You may be looking to a key relationship a spouse or a parent or a brother or sister or or close friend. You may be looking to your job. You may be looking to education. You may be looking to, to fitness. You may be looking to the government. But we're looking to something or to someone. And if we're not looking to Jesus, all of those things will not satisfy. Nothing wrong with those things. But none of those are God. None of those are Savior. None of those are are bread of life to our soul. So Hebrews encourages us, looking unto Jesus, who's the author. He started our faith, and he's also the really good finisher. He's going to finish our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So Jesus went through the suffering of the cross, thinking about the joy that would follow the cross. Well, what was the joy that followed? Being reunited with his father, absolutely. And inheriting the bride, inheriting the church. He was looking forward to what the cross would result. And something that I think I fail to realize, we fail to realize about the Christian life is that God calls us into his suffering, into the suffering of Christ. We get the front half of the cross, if you would, that it's through the cross of Jesus Christ that we're forgiven of our sins. But we miss the, the backside of the cross, which is that we're called into the footsteps of Christ. We're, we're called to suffer in behalf of Christ. God allows suffering in our lives for the joy that was set before us. We look forward to the joy. We look forward to eternal life. We look forward to how God's going to use these trials in our lives. But what do we put our minds on? We put our minds on the suffering of Christ. What he went through for his beard to be ripped out, to be spit upon. Have you ever been spit upon in disrespect and and hatred? Crown of thorns placed into his head, 
pierced, rejected by the Father. And as we think about the suffering of Jesus Christ, then it encourages our souls. But if we're not focused on the suffering of Christ, we'll get weary and discouraged. Man, there's too many days where I get weary and discouraged. Get tired, and then once I'm tired, I'm discouraged. The, the two seem to go hand in hand. I was asking my mom years ago, right before I got married, you, you know me well, what advice do you have for me before I get married? And she just said, Eric, make sure you get your sleep. Yeah. You're an absolute bear when you don't sleep, you know. 21 years later, that's absolutely true. I'll be a new person in the morning, right? I get, need to wrap things up here. It's getting close to my bedtime, right? Weariness comes in and then discouragement comes in, but we have a choice. We can lift our eyes to the cross and the cross protects us from weariness and discouragement. Number two, considering the cross proves the love of God. It proves the love of God. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What, what does the cross of Jesus Christ tonight for all of us communicate afresh? That God loves you. And I like the way that Romans 8 puts it. His own love. He possesses it. He loves us in a way that no one else can. Unconditional, unlimited, everlasting love. And he put his love on clear display by sending his son for us. The cross of Jesus Christ absolutely proves that you're loved and you have value. That you're loved and you have value. And you may be doubting and wrestling, does God really love me? Sometimes we have this idea in our minds that, well, God loves me, but he doesn't like me. Like, whoever came up with that, right? God loves you, and he also likes you. Because he sent his son for you. One of the things that the father really wants us to know is how much he loved the son. When Jesus gets baptized, audible voice from heaven, which I would have loved to hear, says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Eric paraphrase, this is my boy right here. I love this guy, right? Why did the father say that? Because he wants us to know what a sacrifice it was on behalf of the father to give his son for you. Maybe you grew up in a home that did not communicate love and value. Maybe you're in a marriage that doesn't communicate love and value. You're definitely in a society that doesn't communicate love and value. But Jesus has demonstrated, the Father has demonstrated that you have love, that you have value based upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare go to your emotions to determine whether God loves you or God places value on you. Because emotions are up and down. And eventually... A sinking ship, right? You go to the truth of Scripture. As we take communion tonight, you do it in faith, knowing, I know that I know that I know I'm loved by God. That my life has value, not based on my feelings, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Number three is, consider the cross provides victory over sin. Victory over sin. I want to read a few verses to you. First John 2 1 through 2, and then Romans 6. This is 1 John. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. 
not only for our sins only, but also for the whole world. So God's heart is that we wouldn't sin, but he knows that we are going to sin. And when we do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus, the righteous, the righteous one. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And this word propitiation means to appease the wrath of. It's atonement. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as believers, we have victory over sin in the sense that we know we're forgiven. Amen? We know we're forgiven. If the revelation of Jesus crucified is real in my life tonight, I'm going to walk in the forgiveness that he's provided. We overcome the enemy, Satan, with the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is the foundation to our victory. I'm not in condemnation. I know that I'm in a place of forgiveness. If you're walking in condemnation this evening, look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Apply the blood of Jesus to your heart and your life. We don't just apply the blood of Jesus to our heart and our life the moment that we're saved. We continue to stand and abide and apply the blood of Jesus to our lives knowing I'm forgiven for my sin. Why would we confess sin as believers? Did we lose our salvation? No. But it's affected our relationship with the Lord. You ever had a relationship that's affected by sin? And the relationship's not abandoned, but it's hindered. So you confess your sin, and as you confess your sin, the relationship is restored. Same with the Lord. There's a distance with us and the Lord. We confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to cleanse us from our sin, to forgive us of our sin. So apply that tonight. Is the Holy Spirit convicting you of an area of sin? Then receive that afresh from the Lord. But victory over sin is also the power of sin is broken in our lives. This is Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So the penalty of sin is paid for, but also the power of sin is broken in our lives. So if we examine this thought that the cross of Jesus Christ is the solution to all of our problems. It's the answer to our struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. And it's easy for us in our hearts and our minds and our emotions to think that we're slaves to sin even as believers. That we have no choice but to sin. We have no choice but to lose our tempers and walk in lust and walk in bitterness and covetousness. But that's not the truth of Scripture. That's not the truth of the book of Romans that we've just studied together. The old man is buried with Christ, and we're risen in newness of life. That sinful nature is crucified with Christ, and we're risen in newness of life. And as we experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus, that we're forgiven, but also that the power of sin is broken in our lives, that this old man contempt. This, this old man can holler, but this old man no longer has power. I don't have to continue to be a slave to sin. And Romans 6 goes on to say, reckon the old man dead. Do the math. Remind the flesh. Remind the old man. Hey, you're dead. I don't have to respond in bitterness any longer. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. But this is all part of the revelation of Jesus crucified. 
of realizing that my sin put Jesus on the cross. That, that, that my sin, that God loved me enough to go to the cross for my sin so that I didn't have to continue any longer in sin. Remember the woman caught in adultery? What did Jesus say to her? Go your way and sin no more. Go your way and sin no more. He provided forgiveness and a way out, a transformed and changed life as we encounter the power of Christ. Number four, about considering the cross provides eternal life. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The cross of Jesus Christ is so good, so deep, so powerful that it provides eternal life to all those who believe. So if you don't know Christ as your Savior, tonight turn to him and be saved. Turn to him and believe and have everlasting life. For those of you that do trust Christ as your Savior, doesn't heaven just keep looking better and better? I've been reading Revelation just for fun in the, in the evenings before, before going to bed. And I got to that section in Revelation where it says that the throne of God is set in heaven. It's like, oh, that's good news. I can't wait to go to heaven and be at the throne that's set, that doesn't move. Inflation doesn't affect heaven. You know? Interest rates don't go up in heaven. And those streets of gold just keep gaining more and more value. You have eternal life. You are closer to heaven than you've ever been before. And we are closer to the second coming of Jesus than we've ever been before. And we open our Bibles and we read Matthew 24 of these signs leading up to the second coming of Christ. And church, we're getting closer and we're getting closer. Eternal life is real. Heaven is real. We don't know when we're going to cross that finish line. and The cross of Jesus provides that. The cross of Jesus provides adoption for us. Ephesians 1 verse 5, I love this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Predestined to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ himself. It'd be enough, more than enough, if the cross of Jesus Christ resulted in us having forgiveness and eternal life, but God wanted us to be his children, to be his children. You're his son, you're his daughter, you're adopted, you're chosen by him. The mere fact of adoption involves choice on behalf of, of the parents. And God chose you, he chose me by the giving of his son, so that we could be sons and daughters, joint heirs of Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ means that we tonight, with confidence, get to approach God as Father, as Abba Father, as Daddy. For all of eternity, we get to enjoy heaven as sons and daughters. That's the cross of Jesus Christ. The payment for the adoption, pretty expensive. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. That's how much he wanted you to be a son. That's how much he wanted you to be a daughter. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You were redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Number six, we've got a few more tonight, is the cross of Jesus Christ provides comfort. 
In Isaiah 53, another prophetic section in the Old Testament about the cross of Christ, says he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Every point of pain in our lives gives us the opportunity to understand what Jesus went through on the cross in, in a greater way. One of the things as a, a pastor is people are willing to open up areas of pain in their lives and share it with, with their pastor. And that's sacred ground. It's, when someone has a loved one that's passing away and they, they call you and say, will you come be with me at the hospital? My husband, my son, my daughter's passing away. That, that's sacred ground. You know, when someone opens up and talks about the pain of a, of a spouse committing adultery, that's sacred ground. When someone opens up and shares about the abuse that they went through as a, as a child, and this parent that was supposed to love them instead chose to abuse them and and the pain that that's caused in their life, that, that's sacred ground. When someone opens up and shares about thoughts of suicide and attempted suicide, and man, that, that's sacred ground. And I know that there's deep pain in life. I know that in this room tonight and online, there's, there's deep, deep pain. And it causes deep questionings and deep wrestlings. And there's this questioning within wrestling with God. God, why would you allow this? And I don't have the answer to that question. But I do have this answer, that Jesus does understand your pain. He does understand your pain. And what Isaiah 53 says, and what the cross of Jesus Christ says, is that he was acquainted with grief and sorrows. Even when someone else has gone through suffering that's similar to yours, they don't fully understand it. Say you have two people that both lose their spouse. If they, there's an understanding of each other, but their marriages were different, and their pain is different, and the circumstances of the death is different. But Jesus fully understands that rejection, that abuse, that loss, that physical pain. So every rejection, every loss, every physical pain, if we allow it to, can take us deeper into the suffering of Jesus Christ. Paul described it this way and actually prayed for it, to know the fellowship of his sufferings. To share in common the suffering of Jesus Christ and we go, oh, I didn't understand what Jesus went through until I went through this and I understand now in a little bit greater way what Jesus has done for me. I think what heaven is going to open up to us for all of eternity is the depth of what Jesus went through on the cross. So considering the cross, it provides comfort. We have a suffering Savior that left the comfort of heaven, that experienced abuse, that experienced trauma, and he is here to provide comfort for us. And the seventh is similar. Considering the cross provides healing. Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. 
And yes, there is a physical healing. Now hear me out on this. Is God does promise physical healing, but not always in this life. Sometimes the physical healing comes with us getting an upgrade, dying, going to heaven, and getting a glorified body. Uh, this body's temporary. It's, a tent. it's ultimately going to wear out. So there is that physical healing. It's just a question of when. Will it be in this life or, or the next? But the healing that I think God's really speaking to here in Isaiah is the healing of our hearts. By his stripes, we are healed. Because we turn the page a little bit in Isaiah, and we get to Isaiah 61, and Jesus quoted Isaiah 61 about himself. And it says that he came to heal the brokenhearted. And looking at a suffering Savior upon the cross heals our broken heart. If we have revelation of a crucified Savior, it can touch and it can heal and can minister to those disappointments in our life. I want to give you just one example. This was back now 19 years ago, almost 20 years ago. My dad got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And at the time, he was 51 years old, and it was advanced and had spread outside of his prostate. They couldn't find a doctor that would even treat him. And all the doctors were saying he had six months to, to live. We had just found out that Amber was pregnant with our oldest, Hannah. So this exciting news that we were going to be parents, and then the reality that my dad could possibly be in heaven even before Hannah was born. And I'm really close with my parents and close with my dad. And man, I just really desired for my dad to be able to meet my daughter and be a grandparent. And I remember working and headed over to the bank and was walking just through the parking lot here and had this thought and the Lord was speaking to me, Eric, I love your dad more than you do and I'll do what's best for him. And that really comforted me, and it was healing that was provided through the cross because I know that God loves my dad because Jesus went to the cross for him. And God was gracious to him and got him through that battle uh, with cancer. It's been 19 years later, and he's 70 years old and has developed Parkinson's disease, and his life isn't easy, and he suffers through Parkinson's disease, and mom's there to, to care for him, and there's, there's challenges there. And I still find comfort in going, God, you love my dad more than I do, and you're going to do what's, what's best for them. There's, there's healing there that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Comfort and healing as we consider the cross of Christ. The last, and church, this is only eight of 80. You know, this is an endless list as you consider the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross provides freedom from bitterness. Man, isn't bitterness hideous? Isn't the, the voice of bitterness such a bummer, but, but so loud? And Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. A tender heart instead of a hard heart instead of a bitter heart. Because as we consider the cross of Jesus Christ, if we're really going to consider the cross of Jesus Christ, it means that God has forgiven my sins, 
but also the person that I'm bitter at. So as I receive this forgiveness so freely, why does the Father forgive me? Not because I deserve it, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus. So I can extend this forgiveness based on the sacrifice of Jesus. As I think about the cross, as I take communion tonight, I can go, okay, I'm choosing forgiveness. I'm choosing to extend this forgiveness to this person that has hurt me. I do believe that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. God for, calls us to forgive everyone for his glory and our good. Reconciliation takes place when there's repentance. And we see this in the life of Joseph. Joseph had a forgiving heart towards his brother, but the relationship with his brothers was restored when there was clear repentance that was seen in their life. Sometimes it may be necessary to have loving boundaries until you see that repentance, but not out of a harsh heart, not out of a, a bitter heart. And remember that God is gracious and that he's slow to anger and he knows our hearts. Right now, the Spirit of God is convicting us saying, man, it's, it's time to let go of this bitterness. It's time to extend the, the grace that we've received. If you've really been blessed and you've received a gift, doesn't it seem a little bit selfish to not share it? Go, man, this, this is great for me. You know? And God's given us this incredible grace and forgiveness that's complete in the blood of Jesus Christ and to share it and to give it and to choose to forgive and to choose to allow the Lord to produce that kind and tender heart. And it's not based on the other person. It's based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If you're looking at the person that's offended you, you may never see what you're hoping to. But as you look at the cross of Jesus Christ going, wow, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for them. And there's been many times where I've had to just say this out loud. I choose to forgive so-and-so in Jesus' name because God has forgiven me. And you make that choice. And the tricky thing with forgiveness is you might choose to do that tonight, but then you'll probably have to do it again before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning. But eventually, eventually, as you make that choice of obedience based on the word of God, your emotions will come along your obedience. You probably heard me say this before. My pastor would say this a lot growing up. If you change your mind, God will change your heart. But if you don't change your mind, God won't change your heart. You change your mind. You choose your mind to be in that biblical track, and God will change your heart. The trickiness with bitterness is we just replay that hurt over and over and over, and we justify a case for why we can be bitter and long for revenge, and we switch that to forgiveness. We take our thoughts captive. I'm choosing to forgive because Christ has forgiven me. So here's my prayer as we head into communion. Is Jesus is the one that prepares the table. He said, I want you to do this often in remembrance of me. Jesus knew the power of his own sacrifice upon the cross, his broken body and his shed blood. But he also knew how quickly we could lose sight of the cross. So he invites us 
to come and take of these elements, to not be in a hurry, to sit down and think about his broken body. As you take of the bread, think of his broken body. As you take of the cup, think of his shed blood. And what does that mean for you? Well, it means you're forgiven. It means you're loved. It means you're comforted. It means you're healed. Your heart is healed. It means so many glorious things. And extend that forgiveness to those that have hurt you. Allow God to search us and know us and confess that sin afresh to the Lord. And receive his forgiveness afresh in our lives. Have you noticed around your home that somehow maintenance just builds up? It's like, how did all these things in the garage get displaced? I, I just put them all back in, in order. You know, how is it that my car need, needs this maintenance again? Well, how much more so my heart? How much more so, where's my heart with the Lord? Where's my heart with the appreciation of, of what Christ has done? And communion brings us into that place. And in Jesus' time, in his day, a meal always meant intimacy. It was something that you shared in closeness, and, and Christ is inviting us into intimacy as we come to the communion table tonight. I've sure been refreshed over the last few weeks as I have been thinking about the power of the cross more. I think you'll be refreshed as well. Expand this beyond Wednesday night in this study and say, Jesus, would you be gracious to reveal to me the power of the cross? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, as we come to the communion table, be available on the sides, and we'd love to pray with you for you to receive Christ, for you to put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, turning away from sin and crying out, Jesus, save me, and he'll be faithful to forgive you and give you eternal life. You can make that decision online. We have those available as you respond in the chats and the comments. For those of you that are at home online, I'd encourage you tonight, go get some bread, get some juice out of the fridge. If all you've got is Kool-Aid, God knows your heart, and you celebrate communion. You take this message and celebrate communion at home as well. So let's stand together and let's press into communion. Jesus, we're thankful for your sacrifice, that you would love us enough. Father, that you would love us enough to send your Son as the Savior of the world. And we ask, by your grace, through a move of your Spirit, would there be a fresh revelation of you crucified? Jesus, where there is a need for healing, would you give revelation of the cross? Where there is need for comfort, would you give revelation of the cross? Where there is need for forgiveness, would you give revelation of the cross? Where there is a need for wisdom, would you give revelation of the cross? Where there is need for victory over sin, would you give revelation of the cross? Jesus, you're here. You're our risen Savior. And would you be gracious to open up our eyes? Lord, we pray over the youth right now, the junior high and the high school and the young adults, and would you give them the revelation of Jesus Christ and him crucified? We pray for our elementary kids and the kids in the nursery. May they know the power of you. For Colorado Springs, we pray for a revelation of you crucified. Lord, we pray for those that are strung out on drugs and alcohol and sexual sin and greed and 
pride and bitterness and rejecting you, would you give a revelation of Jesus Christ? We pray over the pulpits of Colorado Springs. Lord, over the the teaching throughout our country, may it be revived in the cross of Jesus Christ. The power, it's your message, it's your testimony. Lord, we look to you. Tonight, Jesus, we look to you. Would you meet us in a fresh way? In Jesus' name, amen.